This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 88 with Elizabeth D'Alto. Show notes for this episode can be found by hopping over to shamelessmom.com and then clicking on episode 88. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Elizabeth D'Alto is known for her raw, honest, and grounded approach to self-help and spirituality. She is the founder of the Wild Soul Movement, author of Untame Yourself, and the host of the popular Untame the Wild Soul podcast. She has been a teacher, leader, speaker, coach, and trainer to groups and individuals for over 13 years, and she consults with organizations ranging from startups to large corporations like Dove. So Elizabeth, she goes by Elizabeth now, but I met her as Liz probably five to six years ago. And she's the kind of person who's just super magnetic in a room. And so we were in a mastermind group together. I think we were only there together like one time over a weekend. But she was someone who was just immediately like I wanted to connect with her. She was funny and kind of loud, but like in a fun way, not in an annoying way. So I was like, Oh, I want to be friends with this lady. And uh, she was in fitness. She was actually going online with her fitness business at the time, which I was doing as well. So we had these things in common. But what happened after that weekend was really fascinating to me. As I watched Elizabeth online in the next few years, she made this very conscious shift away from fitness. And as someone in the fitness field, this was fascinating to me. She actually started rejecting a lot of what she had been doing in fitness and a lot of what she was seeing in the fitness industry. And she started embracing this whole new career path that was all about respecting one's body and working with one's body, but in a totally different way than she had been doing in the fitness industry. So I've been stalking her now for a few years and touching base here and there 
especially on social media platforms and those kinds of things, but really been keeping an eye on what she's doing because I'm so inspired with how her work has evolved. And I think this is so common that we start out in one career maybe, or we end up in a place where we're like, this is great and I really love it. But then we get to this crossroads where we're like, we feel this internal desire to pivot or make a shift or make a change. And that can be really scary. And oftentimes we stay in the place where we are most comfortable and most familiar for way too long. And what I saw Elizabeth do was move out of that place. And she moved out of the place that she was no longer well-suited for. She moved out of the place she was no longer comfortable with. And she moved into a place where she could really grow and evolve in a much bigger way and help so many women all over the world do the exact same thing. So when I reached out to her to have her on the podcast, I told her this is what I wanted to talk about. And she was so gracious and immediately said yes. And we got this booked. And so I'm really excited to dive in with Elizabeth today. So Elizabeth and I are going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about why it's important to work in rather than work out. We're going to talk about what yes feels like in your body and what no feels like in your body and how to start uncovering the truth that lies in your gut. This is a challenge for me. I'll be honest. We're going to talk about the difference between masculine arts and feminine arts and where you fit in that. We're going to talk about why it's okay to change your mind and be inconsistent. And we're going to talk about how everything you've ever needed has always been right inside of you. So this was such a fun episode for me to do, and I really look forward to sharing Elizabeth's wisdom with you. So let's go ahead and dive in with Elizabeth D'Alto. Elizabeth D'Alto, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. So we met years, gosh, it feels like a lifetime ago, probably to you too. It is. It's like seven lifetimes ago. I know. So we met probably around 2010 and we were both in really different places in our lives. So tell us a little bit about beyond your bio, where are you at today personally and professionally? Oh man, what a great question. My answer, I want to be like, how much time you got, Sarah? But, uh, <laughs> so for me in a really healthy way, there's not that much separation between personal and professional. And the reason why is because the capacity in which that I work with women is really about embodying who they actually are, coming home to themselves, looking around their life and going, okay, how much of this is because someone else told me this was how it was supposed to be, or some group or organization or the government or a religion or schooling or my family of origin just told me this is how it is and I just complied, and how much of it is actually like authentic to who I am. And so because that's the nature of what I do, and it's about really getting out of your head, into your body, connecting with yourself, loving yourself, trusting yourself. My constant where I am in my personal life is making sure that I'm in that place too, right? And of course, no one's there 24 seven, but like I recently got out of a relationship a few months ago. My business is growing and expanding. I'm hiring people. I'm living in a new place. There's always, you know, the only thing constant in life is change. So where I am right now is settling into like basking in and relishing in being a single woman again in my early thirties. I love it. Some people are listening to that and they're like, I can't believe she's excited about that. I'd be freaking out. I'm not freaking out because I love having my own space. I haven't lived by myself in a couple of years. So to be in my own home, I call it the wild soul sanctuary. I furnished it exactly how I wanted to furnish it. I have all these plants. So it's kind of like the jungle in here. And it's gorgeous. I've been Thank following you. all your pictures of your new place on Facebook. No, I've been Facebook. doing the progress pics mainly because when you do that, people give you tips. Like I got amazing rugs because I posted a picture one day and someone was like, oh, check out rugsusa.com. And I'm like, sure. And I got like four rugs for like a quarter of the price that they would have been. So it was miraculous. So that's why I shared that stuff. But I'm loving this space. I'm loving really looking around and taking inventory of who are my friends? Like, who's my soul 
family, not like the blood family, but like those people that are like your people and then nourishing and cultivating those types of relationships and just kind of handling like the last couple of years being in a relationship and building a business. There are some things that slip through the cracks in my personal life that I want to pay closer attention to, like my physical body, for example, getting back into working out. And what does that look like for me now that I'm no longer in fitness? And then business wise, things are just kind of like growing and really exciting. So there's the element of getting the right people on board to support me so I can continue doing the things that I'm really good at and have people that are really good at the things that I am crap at. (laughs) I love that. And that's always a struggle for me. Well, and you probably you might recall this about me, but I'm like constantly like I can just do it best myself and I'll just do it myself because it's too hard to tell someone else how to do it. Good luck with that. (laughs) I know it doesn't work. It does not work. So I've gotten better with it over time, but it's still a struggle. So when I met you, you were a fitness professional and that's how we met. We were in this mastermind group for people who were taking their fitness businesses online. And at that time, it was right before you got in like the best shape of your life. And I remember shortly after we met, you did this amazing photo shoot after getting in crazy, amazing shape. And then you were starting to sell fitness programs online, which was another professional leap for you. And since then, you have completely walked away from your fitness life and switched gears and which I think that there was probably some like underlying, you know, like you still work with women and bodies, but in such a different capacity. So tell us about that decision and that transition and how that all transpired. Oh God, I love telling the story. So I was a personal trainer at a boutique studio in New York city as I was building my online platform and all that stuff. And one of the things that just, I was undeniable. I couldn't ignore it anymore was that People could be awesome, disciplined, eating well, working out, showing up, doing everything they needed to be doing on the physical health front. And without fail, anything mental, emotional, financial in a relationship could come up and just wipe out the physical progress so swiftly. I became a lot more interested in working in than working out. And so I just started studying a little bit more of like the inner game kind of work. So mental stuff, energetic stuff, emotional stuff. And part of that led me to doing some trainings and energy healing and just some studying of some deeper, more esoteric stuff. And then I also, within that year, moved to California. And so lifelong East Coaster, New York City, pound in the pavement type person comes out and is just like overwhelmed by the majesty of nature and living near the ocean and you know, there's no bad smells. There's not homeless people everywhere. I mean, it it was just different. It was a slower pace. And that really helped me also kind of connect with this more feminine side of myself, which every person, no matter how someone identifies in their gender has masculine energy and feminine energy. I didn't know anything about this, but people had told me like, I'd literally, I love this. This is called shameless mom. I had been shamed a lot in my life for being like too much too powerful, too loud, too intimidating, too masculine, too this, too that. And it was really just because in a lot of ways, I didn't have a lot of the hangups. A lot of other people did about just like showing up, being myself, speaking my voice, being a rebel, even if I didn't agree with other people's stuff. So I became really fascinated as well with studying feminine archetypes and being like, all right, what does it actually mean to be more feminine? Because I just assumed I wasn't because I was a tomboy growing up. I played sports, you know, I enjoyed dancing, but I typically only did it if I was like drunk or teaching a Zumba class or <laughs> going to salsa. Right. So I was like, so what's the deal with this? And I picked up this book called Awakening Shakti by Sally Kempton. And you know what? I cannot remember who recommended that book or how I ended up with it, 
So I'm reading, and basically she's doing feminine archetype work by using these goddesses of yoga to describe the archetypes. And I get to the chapter on a goddess called Durga. And she's like this eight-armed with eight different weapons in each arm goddess who's riding a tiger and killing bad guys, basically, figuratively and literally, right? So like slaying the metaphorical demons. And I'm reading this chapter and I'm like, well, snap, I've always been feminine, but my feminine looks like warrior, fierce feminine, not like dainty, prissy, girly, which is what in my whole existence was my only understanding of feminine. So because I've always been a body person, and at that time I was also kind of into Danielle Laporte's desire map, I had these core desired feelings, which were I wanted to feel connected, free, wildly feminine, and I wanted there to be a baseline of ease in everything in my life. So I started looking at how can I combine what I'm learning about, you know, being feminine and tapping into that with my core desired feelings, with the body. And so I created a sensual movement practice called Wild Soul Movement. That's like slow, juicy, non-linear movements. It's not a workout. It's not meant to make you sweat or burn calories or get in shape. Though I'll tell you, when people start working on their mental and emotional stuff, they drop some weight that had nothing to do with what they've been eating. This all started in 2013. Like the idea came in and I decided to dance with it. I beta tested it a couple of times. It's been around over a thousand women have joined the program in the last few years. And it's just beyond anything I could have ever expected in terms of showing women actually the miracle of inhabiting a female body and deconditioning everything we think it means because of our culture about, you know, you have to look a certain way. You have to eat this. You have to do that. You need a tight butt. You need this, all that stuff. And that like, I've just, I'm still curious. I'm still fascinated. I'm still learning all the time and enjoying it so much, and especially seeing what it gives women access to in terms of connecting to their power, using their voice, and also healing lifelong crap that they've been carrying around. Yes, I love that. When you started this, it sounds like it started from a place of personal discovery and just personal curiosity. Did you know right away that you wanted to move in that direction professionally, or was it as you started learning more and more that you saw how you could move in that direction professionally? A combination of the two, because around 2012, which I think that's when we were in that mastermind together, I just was becoming so dissatisfied with fitness and that's not to knock fitness, but it just was not fulfilling to me. And I'm the kind of person, unfortunately, God, I wish I was someone who could just like show up for a job and collect a paycheck. I'd have a much easier life, (laughs) but I can't, I have to be doing something that's personally meaningful and like impactful on a much larger scale and helping others. Once I started to feel like I wasn't getting that from fitness any longer, it was a matter of months. Like I could barely stand to like, if I have to make another friggin' YouTube video about how to do a squat or a kettlebell swing, I'm just going to lose it. As much as it would be cool to be like, yeah, I made this choice. It really wasn't a choice for me. I had to keep going on my own personal discovery. And then it's just kind of always been the way I've been, which is if it works for me, I'd love to help others who have similar curiosities or problems. I know so much of what you do now, and it sounds like a lot of this maybe started with that discoveries that were happening at that time around 2012. Have you been someone who has understood your like internal process for most of your life? Or is that something that's really come about in the last few years? Totally come about in the last few years. And partially because, so I'll tell you something funny. This is a couple months ago, because it was like right after my end of my relationship. My mom says to me, Well, remember, you tend to have delayed reactions to things. 
And I'm like, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> and what was funny is my mom has delayed reactions to things. And so I literally think I took that on at some point when I was little because she did. And so I think we all decided that that's what I do too, because that's not my natural way. My natural way is actually to, yeah, I do. I am an internal processor. So I need to be with some stuff and like iron it out quite a bit myself before I can take it out and address it with, you know, whomever or whatever. But no, I didn't understand that about myself because in a lot of ways I had spent some serious time allowing other people to tell me who and how I was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. I actually had this conversation. Well, it's been an ongoing conversation I've had with my therapist in the last six months or so talking about the ways that I'm similar to my mother and like how one just goes through like 40 years of their life without knowing that is kind of mind blowing. And like there was little things here and there where my sister and I would start noticing, you know, my sister would point out to me like, you're being like mom. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I know. Like, how is this happening? But then we, when I started talking about it in therapy, it was like, there's some major ways that I behave in life, especially related to like anxiety and stress and how I handle that and everything that are like so closely tied to how my mom handles those things. And not like to say that she handles things poorly, but I just handle things very similarly. And that is a struggle for me with where I want to go in life in many cases. And so to have that pointed out to me, I was like, holy crap, like, how did I get here? How am I doing these same things? And it is so interesting that we really do take on a lot of the, so much of the stuff of our parents. And especially like my mom was a single parent. So, you know, my only primary caregiver, I think that it's really interesting to see that intergenerational connection. And I actually had a conversation with, are you familiar with Erin Brown? Yes. So I had a conversation with her about intergenerational trauma. And that's been another thing we've been talking about. And so fascinating that you just take on trauma of like, and it could be multiple generations ago that you might not even know things happen to like your grandmother or great grandmother, but yet you're living your life in a way that reflects what happened to them. Wild, right? Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's like, it takes a lot of introspection to start understanding all that and start breaking it down. And it's kind of hard work. Like I kind of, <laughs> there's a lot of times where I'm like, we don't really need to talk about this today. Like I actually have other things to do. And if I get distracted by this, it will be so consuming. But at the same time, you also can't move forward. And I know this is so much of the work that you do is that you can't move forward in your life if you're stuck with this crap from the past or from another part of your life. That's like, it's not going to go. It's not going away unless you figure it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? 
Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And especially when it's in the unconscious space, when you don't even know you're doing it, you're having things happen and you're just reacting and you don't even know why. Yeah. So it's almost like being a prisoner of your own whatever. It's really intense. And it's not to like overwhelm people, but it's like super worth it to look at that stuff. But it makes sense because like your mom was your role. Like that was your modeling system. So sometimes I even say when people ask what I do, I'm like, ah, for the most part, it's kind of like reparenting adults <laughs> because essentially we need new models, yeah. right? Like if we've only ever known that this is how it's done and we have no other examples, not everyone is built to forge their own path. Yeah. And I know that you, from what I know of your fitness journey, that you, and I have totally fallen into this as well, and I think many, many fitness professionals do, and especially women, that we shut down a lot of our intuition and we shut down internal voices because we have to look a certain part to play a certain role. And I think that it gets very easy to not listen to your own body as a fitness professional. And I think that you have really done a 180 with that to like, I'm going to not work out and I'm going to listen to my body and I'm going to do the things that I want to do. And I don't care what the implications are in terms of like, if I have a six pack or not. So how did you start that process of starting to listen to your body in a new way and guide it in a new direction? And in order to like really ultimately fall in love with your body, where it is at on any given day? So I was reading this book around fall 2013 when all these things were kind of like dropping in and really shifting for me. I read a couple of books in a row. One was called Ask Your Guides by Sonia Choquette, which was about connecting to your intuition. One was called Outrageous Openness by a woman named Tosha Silver. And one was called Finding Your Way in a Wild New World by Martha Beck. And each of those books was basically like a roadmap to tapping into yourself, listening to your own intuition, and finding the faith and the trust that the next step is always going to appear. So literally just continue to put one foot in front of the other. Keep your eyes and your ears open for the little like nudges and hits from You know, sometimes your intuition is speaking to you through the outside world. You just need to notice what the signals are, right? Like you're pondering whether or not to do something. And then you see a sign of that, like, for example, do I go on vacation to like Cancun, Mexico? And then I see like four signs with Cancun, Mexico that week. It's, it might be like friggin' go to Cancun, right? Or it might mean not, you know? And that's just like a simple, it's not the best example, but you know what I mean? Once you're refining your awareness and putting more trust in yourself, you start to realize how life is always communicating with you. And the body is always communicating like your higher knowing speaks to you through your senses. And so it's different for everyone, right? Like everyone can kind of relate to, I've had a gut feeling before, or I had this feeling of dread. I had this tightness in my chest, but I did this thing anyway. And then this terrible thing happened and I ignored it. I had a feeling, right? So our senses is kind of like our intuition's way of going, hey, Pay attention. There's something going on here. I need you to know. Right. 
So I know a lot of moms I talk to, and I would fall into this category, we have like maybe not even always low levels, but some level of like ongoing anxiety just because there's so many balls in the air. And so I think that it gets hard to listen to like the things that are sometimes things don't stand out as being like louder than other things because there's just so much all the time. How do you discern like the things that are where you're like, this is my gut telling me something versus like, I'm just in a panic because I have way too many, my plates are all way too full. Yeah. So you need to have some kind of practice where you can tune in and ask yourself, is this really a big deal or am I good? And I can focus on this other thing. In my book, I created this yes, no truth practice. And I'm pretty sure people can just get the video. If you go to untameyourself.com forward slash companion, whether you've read the book or not, I'm pretty sure you can get the yes, no truth practice explanation in the video at that link. And it's essentially just tuning to yourself and asking yourself these yes, no questions. So it's basically like using your body as a tuning fork and going, okay, is this really important right now? And learning what yes feels like in your body, what no feels like in your body, and then what registers as truth. Because if you just know those three things, you can navigate any situation because you can always break stuff down into yes, no questions. And you can be faced with something and be really tuning into whether or not it resonates for you by whether or not it feels like truth or is like devoid of that feeling. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's really helpful. And uh, tell me what was the link again, untameyourself.com forward slash companion as in book companion. Got it. So I will make sure that's in the show notes. And for all of the books and links that Liz is mentioning, those will be over at shamelessmom.com at episode 88. People can find everything there. So yes, I think that makes so much sense. And I agree with you about having a practice. And I've tried a lot of different things in the last year or so trying to get more in touch with like, Exactly what you said. What does yes feel like? What does no feel like? And finding the truth within that. And I've talked a lot about this on the podcast as I've navigated different, like doing morning meditations every day and how has that worked out and doing journaling every day and how does that work out? And I've gone through like the whole miracle morning practice, which are you familiar with that whole six phase step or six phase practice? Yeah. You know, it's really funny. I know Hal from back in the day, we both worked at Cutco. So I've known Hal since I was like 20 years old. But um, I've never read, he's sent me the book like more than once. I've never read it. I don't know the steps. I know that you get up at five in the morning and then do a bunch of things that I've been doing for years anyway. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I hear it's like people love it. Yeah. So I've kind of did like the formal, I did like kind of his whole very formal structured way of doing it for a while last January for a few months. And then I kind of took bits and pieces that were most meaningful to me and did them in the way that I preferred. And so I've kind of taken bits and pieces. I really, really like the concept. And I think that it can be modified in a million different ways. And I think that the basis of all that is exactly what you're talking about here, like learning to listen to your body, find your intuition to listen to your intuition to actually hear it over the chatter of like the million things that you have to do every day, or like taking time to connect with yourself before you connect with your family every morning, which is, I think, such a big thing for moms. Like when the first thing that you deal with every day is a screaming child, you don't ever take care of yourself all day long. Like it's just, you just Yeah. And even if it's just a moment of mindfulness, like literally, even if it's three breaths before you put your feet on the ground and those three breaths are for you, that's still communicating to your physiology, your psychology, your energy that I'm just as important as all these other people in this house right now. Right. And I think that it setting the tone in that way is such a game changer for people. And I know that in the Miracle Morning book, it's like, get up an, you know, an hour earlier than you normally do. And that's a lot for a lot of people. 
And especially if you have a child who gets up at like five. So I've said like, get up like 10 minutes before, even five minutes, like anything. It doesn't matter really how long it is. If you have time to make it an hour and a half, make it an hour and a half. If it's five minutes, it's five minutes, like whatever it is, let it be that. But it's really critical and really life altering to do that for yourself. So you talk with women about getting out of their heads and into their bodies in order to learn to trust their intuition more. Why do you think women are so disconnected from their intuition? Again, kind of going back to the modeling thing, unless you had like a really amazing like mom, grandma, auntie, or some kind of mentor that even let you know that there was something called intuition and like how to tap into it, we don't learn it. We just simply don't get training in it. But we sure as hell get trained in like the masculine arts of like showing up to school on time, handing in your homework, doing what you're told, following the rules, standing in line, applying for a thing, like being competitive so that you can stand out. Like all those masculine things, our whole lives, we spend at least 18 years getting trained in how to do that stuff. And no one really teaches us, hey, here's how to like stop and breathe. Some people find meditation at a younger age. And then they begin to get some access. But a lot of people really don't. They don't even know it's a thing. I certainly had not heard of meditation until I was like in my 20s. So it's literally an issue of we don't know what we don't know. That's Yes, totally. Let's step back a minute. You mentioned the masculine arts and you gave a bunch of examples, which was great. Can you give some examples of masculine versus feminine arts and what do both of those look like? Because I everything you just said makes so much sense, but I've never heard masculine arts termed in that way with those lists of like everything that we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So think of it this way. What's going to fall under the category of masculine is going to be linear things. So I'll give this analogy in my book, and this really helps for the visual crowd out there. Imagine a river. There's two things that make the river. There's the river, the actual water itself, and there's the river bank. The river bank is masculine. That's the container. That's the thing that holds it in line, directs it where to go, and it's the linear, it's the structure, right? So masculine stuff is linear it's structured, it's forward moving. In some cases, it's penetrating. Like that makes sense, right? Right. Feminine is the river. Sometimes it's soft and serene. Sometimes it's like rushing and roaring. Sometimes it's depleted and low. Sometimes it's overflowing, much less consistency, right? Masculine, very consistent, feminine, inconsistent, and a bit more like wild. But If there was no riverbank, there would also be no river. So this is how the two interact. One is the container and one is the thing that's flowing around within the container. Oh, that is such a helpful analogy. That's really good. I'm such a riverbed (laughs) or riverbank. I'm like, let me guide everything. Let me control all of it in a forward moving fashion. And here's what's interesting. So everything also has like the light side and the shadow side too, right? So yeah, like there's some really beneficial aspects of masculine where it's like, yeah, like we do need some order. We do need some rules. We do need some structure, especially if you're a mom and you run a household, like you need some freaking structure. Otherwise it'd be a zoo in your house. Right. Right. But too much of that. And you're just trying to control people. You are killing your own energy by trying to control things that aren't in your control all the time. And control can also border on manipulation. So you take it too far in one direction and it's really, really not good, which is why the ultimate goal, it's not that one is better than the other. It's that how do they both interact and what's the appropriate balance and integration for you? So there could be a harmony and so they can actually support each other. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That's helpful for those of us who maybe like me are strongly masculine. And just for, I think so many people don't have, like you said, we don't know what we don't know. And to have some awareness, 
and I'm very attracted to like linear structured things. And I create that around myself for sure. And when you talk about like serene and soft and inconsistent, and I'm like immediately holding, like <laughs> I do get anxious. I literally <laughs> pulled back from my microphone as you were talking. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the thing, Sarah, that's really important to understand. That's okay. That's okay. Like if there's really no right or wrong, some people, there is just some room again to just like integrate and understand. Okay, cool. Like this is when it might be a good idea to like relax and soften a little bit and be a little bit more receptive. Just so I'm not burning myself out. And for women like you and like I used to be for sure, sometimes it's just a matter of being able to ask for help and then let people help you. And I'll give you an example. I just got this new stand-up desk and it came in three different boxes. I knew there was no way in hell I was going to be able to put this thing together myself. There's like electronic pieces and things. So my friend came over to help me put it together. And it was like a two-hour thing. This thing was like not a simple – it wasn't like Ikea furniture where it's like, all right, got it. Which actually, Ikea furniture is a terrible example because it's not usually that <laughs> But it wasn't like when I ordered my dining room table and all I had to do was flip it over and attach the legs, right? right? It was like a little more intricate than that. So I asked someone to help me. He came over and I noticed myself while he was putting my desk together wanting to help. Even just feeling like there's four of those. Let me screw into it. I'm like, totally. there's still like the parts of me that feel like, oh, let me do that. Let me do, 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 do. Yeah. Instead of like, no, this person came here to help me and to do me a favor. I can sit back and just receive this help, right. you know? Oh, that's so funny. We did a basement remodel like a year and a half ago. And I, when they first started the project, it was this huge project. And I remember every day, like I was working from home the whole time they were doing it. And I was like, well, am I supposed to like go down and help every day? Like we're paying like a crap ton of money for this. And I'm like, should I go down right. and help? Like, or at you're least not on the payroll. Well, and at the very least, I should be like making them food or like, you know, bringing them co- like, and my husband was like, we aren't bringing them like food and coffee. I mean, you can do it here and there, but like, we aren't doing this every day for six months. And I was like, yeah, no, you're right. Like we're not doing in this. the contract, <laughs> you know, like right. you're buying extra groceries for the work. Totally. Girl. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. It's so funny how we catch ourselves in those roles and in that just when that dom, whatever your dominant energy <laughs> happens to be. But mm-hmm. I have noticed. I need to take care of this. Something needs to be taken care of. Yeah. I've really, in the last couple of years, and probably since I started in the mastermind group that we overlapped in for a, a short time, I've been so aware of following people that have the strengths that I don't have. And so, which really helps me see like the benefits to reaching new places in my own self. So I, and I would say for sure, like following you and following Aaron Brown and people along those lines where have helped me get out of some of the rigidity and really moved away from some of my masculine energy and into more feminine energy and into a very different place of accepting just where I am and everything is fine. And like, everything doesn't have to be at this like million mile an hour pace where everything is always controlled and that's been very new and different. And especially in the last, since Vinny's been born in the last four years, I've really been made some conscious effort to start shift and feel different things in myself. And definitely not to the same extent that you have, because you've like turned it into your life's work. But it's amazing when you start just watching what other people who receive their life a little differently than you, how they do that. It makes a really big difference. It makes you so much more aware of like, oh, my life could actually be way more mellow if I just could take a few kernels from what some of these other people are doing. And I've seen and I've so shifted, and I've talked about this on the podcast a few times, I've really shifted how I follow people in terms of, you know, whose blogs I follow, whose podcasts I listen to, who, where I follow people on social media, all those things. Because I think that that information, just like we talk about our primary caregivers really strongly impacting us, 
the information that we allow ourselves to receive. Oh, totally. Oh, it's such a big deal. And you must have shifted that in a really big way when you moved out of fitness and into the wild soul movement. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. I same. So what has been really helpful. So sometimes you want to be following people who like you're on the same page with that could be super validating, right? Being like, yeah, we're on the same page. Awesome. I'm, I'm heading in the right direction. For me, I needed to do a little bit of a pendulum swing and follow some people who were like way more feminine than I know I would like ever be in my life. And it's not even feminine isn't the appropriate word there. It's the aspect of feminine that I know I really needed help with, which was softening. That had been specific feedback I received from some people like you really need to soften. And so I following people like Danielle Laporte or my friend Rochelle Sheik. And people who really like there's this softness, this gentleness about them, as opposed to like the harshness or the abrasiveness, which is kind of where I started, right? Like New Yorker, Italian, Puerto Rican, like don't mess with me. And what's cool now is that people still don't mess with me, but it's not because they're afraid that I might like rip their friggin' head off or something. It's my energy. Like it just things that happen to other people simply don't happen to me. I'll give you an example. Someone was posting in one of my Facebook groups the other week, this challenge of, it was a challenge for women to not move out of the way for men in public. So if you're like, you're walking down the street and you're like going to run into someone, like let him move, don't move out of his way. Or if you're standing in the hallway and like you're in, like don't move, let let the person, because I guess something about how like men think they own the world. And by the way, these aren't my beliefs. I'm like just sharing what the thing was. <laughs> and I was like, this is fascinating. Like I've never thought about this people just move out of my way. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like people just move out of my way. Even like later that day, it was so funny because I was out in public. I was walking down the street and there were these two dudes walking towards me. They literally like separated so I could walk through. <laughs> but it kind of just shows you like the subtle, like the energetics of these things make a difference. And I wasn't doing anything. It wasn't like, cause I had a harsh energy. I wasn't giving them like resting bitch face. It was just, I wasn't going to move and nor did I have to. And they were cool just like walking around me. So it's just super interesting. So yeah, to answer the question that you asked, I had to follow some people that I perceived to be much softer energetically. So like, do you get what I'm saying? It's yeah. not like that their voice is softer, but maybe it is. It's just like their presence just feels soft, calming and grounding and not like fierce and intense. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. 
I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And I think you have to follow people who are in the direction that you want to go. And so when you're wanting to be more in touch with your body, you're wanting to find your softer, more feminine aspects of yourself, then you have to be looking in that direction. And I know that like, I have this constant battle being a gym owner and then being very invested in that in a different way than a lot of other gym owners, but also wanting to be very successful. I follow on social media and in business groups and stuff. A lot of people who like their whole marketing about owning a gym is all around like, you know, getting six pack abs and having a summer body and blah, 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 all that stuff. And like, nothing makes me more insane than that kind of conversation around the gym environment. So I have to be careful about not letting that be in my view, even though I know it exists. And it's like, I just keep it very peripheral because there's some things I want to learn from people who are successful. But then I also am super conscious of following the people who are in the direction I want to go. And so that would be, you know, you, Aaron Brown, Negar, Molly Galbraith, um, all those women in that direction who are in the space of serving women and helping women serve their bodies, but it's in a very different way. And that's really helped me change my messaging and then change the direction that I want to go professionally as well. And I think that that's been really huge. And I think that so many of our moms who listening have that, like there's this past and present conflict where I've come from a certain place and especially before being a mom, like I come from this certain place and I lived in a certain way. And then after motherhood, like that just all shifts and like your priorities change and how you see yourself changes, how you see the world changes. And I think that you have to constantly look in the direction that you want to go and follow others in the direction that you want to go. Right. You use the word modeling and that's it. We just need to know, sometimes we need to see that proof of what we want exists. And sometimes we need to go, I don't see that proof anywhere. I got to create it myself. But I also think, and you mentioned something really key, which is, yeah, follow people who have the things that you want and make sure you're following people who still feel resonant to you. Because there's a lot of people out there that are super soft and super feminine. They're like way of being. I don't make it right or wrong, but it makes my skin crawl, which is just my signal to be like, hey, that person's not for you. They are for a lot of people, but it's not for me, you know? So I think it's super important to also pay attention so that we're not, again, trying to like fit into these molds. It's just swapping out the mold, right? It's being like, well, I used to just try to do everything my mom did. And I'm just going to try to do everything Danielle Laporte does. Like that doesn't work either. (laughs) Right. It's funny when you were talking about finding new feminine aspects of yourself and how that shifts over time. I was thinking about how early on in my relationship with my husband, I remember talking at some point about like hearts and I was like, do not ever get me hurt anything. Like I'm not into hearts. I can't stand hearts. (laughs) And then I found myself a couple months ago, I was like, maybe I want to get like a tattoo of a heart. (laughs) I was like, no, (laughs) who am I? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I was like, no, I can't get a tattoo of a heart. Like I have this long standing 38 year history of like being anti hearts. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Feel free to change. Like one of the things I always say, which this is a very feminine thing, is I reserve the right to change my mind. So I say that if I'm ever saying yes to something, that I'm a yes to it right now, but I could actually really see myself change in my mind in any short period of time. I'll be like, hey, I'm a yes for this right now. And I reserve the right to change my mind. Yeah. Because we were talking earlier about like the shadow of the masculine control bordering on manipulation and all those things. So feminine, that inconsistency and honoring your own intuition, I do change my mind about things a lot. And what started to happen is I became someone who some could perceive as a little bit flaky at times, especially with travel. In the last few years, I traveled a lot. And so I would cancel some things last minute because I'd just be burnt out and I couldn't do it. And I'd be like, listen, I got this really strong like gut feeling not to do this thing. I'm really sorry to bail in the last minute. And I'd do whatever I could, like 
make it up or like pay for it or, you know, whatever, so that it wasn't inconveniencing other people. But it did disappoint some people at some times. But still, I'm not willing to compromise my intuition anymore. But fairly often, what I learned was that I really need to take my time and pay attention to what I commit to so I don't end up being a flake. That's interesting that you brought that up because that was something I wanted to ask you. But I noticed that as you have grown and evolved in the last couple of years, that you really do honor your intuition and very openly and publicly. And you make posts on Facebook saying like, hey, guys, I know I said I was going to do this program or trip or whatever, because you posted retreats all over the world now. There's been times where you're like, hey, I said I was going to do this. And now I'm actually not going to do it because of these reasons or it doesn't feel right. It's not the right time. I'm so impressed by that (laughs) because I'm someone who would just do it and be really bitter the whole time. And that's not service. Like if you're showing up to something pissed off that you have to do it, not service. Right. I totally agree. You seem really comfortable in pushing yourself in new and uncomfortable ways, but like also listening to your intuition at the same time. So you're not making decisions to get out of something uncomfortable. You're doing it because you're listening to your body and where you're at right now. And my question out of all that is like, it really seems like you kind of have everything pulled together and figured out when you seem to be able to make those decisions like comfortably and powerfully. Are there times when that's not the case? Yeah. You know, sometimes you're getting your no or you're getting your yes and simultaneously getting a, but not yet. Even my most recent relationship, there were two other times when I tried to end that relationship and it just wasn't complete yet. So it wasn't done until it was done. So I knew that this wasn't my person. I knew I wasn't going to like marry this person or whatever. I knew that we were growing in different directions and wanting different things in terms of lifestyle and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, it wasn't done until it was done. And then it was clearly complete. And so I've been a person in the past who has like really burned my ships or been like, I don't want to do fitness anymore. I quit. And then went on to struggle for three years because I didn't just allow myself to, let me just keep training some clients so I can have a base level of income coming in. And I'm not like stressed out and having to borrow money from my mom all the time. So that's just something I've learned. That's just like maturity and responsibility to go along with the intuition, right? It's like, cool. Sometimes I have to be patient. Sometimes I get an intuitive hit and I'm like, cool. And I can't act on this right this very second. And sometimes like, nope, you got to do something about this right now. So the timeline is sometimes questionable and also begs needing to check in and see, okay, is this a responsible thing to do right now? Is this something I can't not do or can I wait or should I wait and be really honest with yourself? And, you know, sometimes it's tough. And for me, whenever it comes to relationships or where I have a bigger challenge with that, with close people in my life, because it's your family or it's your friends or it's your partner or whatever, and you really don't want to hurt other people's feelings and still we can't really take responsibility for how other people choose to react and respond to our choices. So that has been a real growth edge and experience for me over the last few years. It's much easier to like pivot in business for me anyway, than it has been to pivot in really close relationships. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think that again, I think it goes back to like, when it comes to business, we can look at how other people are doing it. And we can back to that idea of like modeling it. And so I can look at people who are doing it in a softer way or in in the direction I want to go and I can model after them. That's very different when it comes to interpersonal relationships that in intimacy. Yeah, because you don't always know how other people are actually doing it. And there's so many like, we have no idea. We think we know, we never have any idea what's going on in other people's relationships. Even like, you know, with our parents or people we grew up like so close to, you might see them together all the time and you still don't know 
what's going on behind the scenes because like there is a such thing as privacy, even in 2016, where everyone feels like they should just share everything on Facebook all the freaking time. Totally. When you were going through that transition in your relationship and you knew that it wasn't a relationship that was going to continue to last for years to come, did you have open conversation about that? Or like you said, you knew like it wasn't done, like you tried to get out of it a couple of times or break things off a couple of times. How did that manifest? Were you having ongoing conversations about this or did you really have to wait about There were times when, yep, there were ongoing conversations and where we were also kind of like, maybe we just need some space. Maybe we just need to take a breather. Maybe we just need to like see some other people or maybe you need to see some other people and I can just chill by myself for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously you could tell who was who in that one. And we played around with like some of those ideas and some of those conversations. And sometimes it's cool because when it comes up and you're actually, the rubber's about to hit the road is when the intuition goes, nope, you're not interested in that. All right or yes, that yes, this works or great. Cause sometimes you just need some data, right? Like you can talk about things all day, but until you're actually in it and it's actually happening, you don't really know how you feel. You can try to wrap your brain. Cause we're so good at this. Women, especially I think are very good at seeing the potential of a situation and latching onto that and really excusing a lot of what's actually right in front of their face. That isn't on par with what they truly want. And so You have to realize where am I bending or folding myself or compromising where it's actually killing me, whether it's mentally, emotionally, energetically, spiritually, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. And for sure, I think that's definitely the battle. (laughs) Well, the battle of women and the battle of moms. And because as moms, we get used to living with conflicting interests. And so it's really easy to just like settle into that and be like, I can't have everything I want right now. So I'll settle for it. And these settle for different things in different areas of my life. And then you can end up settling like in all of your life. All the things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of clients who are moms and I've noticed uh, moms who really resigned to this is just the way it is. And this is where I encourage people just to be a little more innovative, to just like be a little creative and go, but does it have to be like, is there a way where I could both like be there for my family and be doing maybe one or two more things that are really important for me? Or is it actually service to my family to say, no, like, listen, one night a week, I'm not going to be home for dinner. Like you guys got to figure that out or I'll hire someone to like come figure it out or grandma can come over and do it or whatever it is so that I can go to a painting class or I can go to a yoga class or I can go get a massage because it might seem, and I know the mom guilt thing is real. I don't have kids, but again, I work with so many moms. I know the guilt is real, but you got to think of it this way. Do you want to be showing up for your family, stressed out, burnt out, tired? And like you and I have been talking about modeling the whole time. Do you want to be modeling for your children to just keep on doing it the way everyone in your generation has done it? Or do you want to model for your kids that mom takes really good care of herself? It might not be to the extent or depth that you really would want to, but even just like once a week or every other week or whatever it is, same goes for the relationship, right? Like, do you go on dates with your spouse if you have one? Like, are you modeling for your kids that like the relationship is just as important as being mom and dad or whatever it is so that like they get an idea of what a healthy relationship could look like? Like you're always modeling and setting examples whether you want to be or not. And those choices go a really long way. So it's like you give yourself an hour a week, gradually over time, you'll realize that that hour, you don't feel guilty about that because then you're super present for your kids when you get home instead of being super distracted or stressed out or whatever. Yes. And I know it's easier said than done. I know it is. It is. It's easier said than done. But there's also a level of, I call it mommy martyrdom, that is extremely socially acceptable. 
this goes for moms. It also goes for non-moms. I think that just for all of us, it's very socially acceptable to be like, oh, I'm just so busy and I can't take time for myself. And I'm just, uh, I got a million things going on. So that's socially acceptable, like on all levels. But for moms, it's also, and this is something that I talked about on a past episode when we had failed IVF. And I thought like, oh, if we're only going to have one child, then like, I don't have this same level of like, oh my gosh, my life is so crazy. Like, am I less of a mother because I'm not going to be pulled in as many directions because I will only have one child. And because there is this mommy martyrdom that's like, you are not living a bigger, better life, but you're like in it more and maybe of more value or living a life of more value because you have more commitments and are being pulled in more directions. And I think that that's something to really look at. And I know that as Vinny gets older and now he's in full-time childcare and I'm like, some of my days aren't stressful now. And like, sometimes it's awkward to be comfortable with that because I have a lot of friends who have two little kids and they're at home all day and they're just pulling their hair out all the time. And yeah. it's a very different, like I've created a different reality for myself. And sometimes I have really conflicting feelings about that. And then I have a conversation with myself and I'm cool with it. <laughs> well, and again, like you put it really well, you created your own reality. You made your own choices. So this is, this is a little edgy to share it and I don't want to offend anyone. This, I'm just going to share it. Try to be as neutral about it as you can. I saw someone post something recently about how parents who choose to do blah, 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 deserve a parade or a trophy or something. And I was like, uh, do you? Because like you made these choices. So I just think it's a really great, important place to like check yourself is if you're complaining about having what you asked for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like getting what you wanted, like you don't get to complain about getting exactly what you wanted. Like if you wanted to have children and you do, and you want to travel and you do, like you don't get to complain that it's challenging because you asked for it and you volunteered for it and you signed up for it. And it's just disempowering to you. So like, yeah, like it's a pain in the ass. I want to like help people at the airport all the time. Like, can I carry that for you? Like, do you want to play with your kids? You can like go to the bathroom, but you made those choices. And so complaining about it or being a martyr or a victim or whatever about it, it's just, it's not helping you have any better of an experience. If anything, it's just like making it worse. So, I mean, that's just an observation I've made because I also have like amazing friends who never complain about anything and they are doing the same things other people are doing, but having a blast and feeling like it's easy and it's not a big deal because they're just, that's their attitude about it. Right. So I think watching your language, your thoughts and your attitude about the choices you're making. And I know some people find themselves in positions where you didn't make the choice. Like maybe you got pregnant and you weren't really planning on it. It was kind of a surprise. So like, yeah, maybe that gives you a little more license to be a little more upset about it or whatever. But what you're saying is so, so, so true. Like, choosing to like complain or be a victim or more about it isn't helping the situation get any better. Right. Well, and I think that what you said about choosing your language and your internal conversation, that's huge. And so like, yeah, it might suck. And if you have two kids that are like two years apart, you're going to have four years of your life that you won't even remember at some point because yeah. it was like so much chaos. So like, it's cool to be overwhelmed and be frustrated and be like, oh my God, why did I do this? But at the same time, you have to like check yourself as you're moving through it to recognize. I very specifically remember having a client, a one-on-one -on -one client that I had personal training years ago, and she had two kids 13 months apart. And I remember when her second baby was born, he was probably like a month or two old. And she came in one day and her husband traveled a lot. And she's like, I just have to get through this year. Like, I just have to get through it. And then things will be so much better. 
And I was thinking like, oh my gosh, like that's your attitude about your son's first year of life is like just getting through it and not really like enjoying any of it. And never mind like the poor one-year-old daughter that you already have. And I totally, now that I'm a mom, I understand completely what she meant. But at the same time, like that perspective of like, I just have to get through it doesn't allow for any space to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like for people listening, I just want to be super clear as a woman without children, I'm always very conscious of like no judgment. I'm straight up just sharing based on what I've observed from people who literally do the same thing. And some people just apply more innovation, creativity and ask for and are willing to receive more help. And some people take it all on themselves, try to control everything, try to do it and, you know, busy and martyr themselves into exhaustion. Right. And I mean, it's the same thing with people who come to the gym. It's like, it's not that different. There's people who come to the gym and they're like all peppy and excited to do their workout. And there's people who come to the gym and they're like, I don't want to do this and I hate it and it hurts. It's just how you like, some people take it on as punishment. Some people take it on as privilege. And so I think that it applies to many aspects of life. Totally. So one more question for you. Describe the legacy you're building and how does being shameless play into your legacy? Oh, so good. So I love this woman came to my retreat in April. And a couple months later, she was writing something on Facebook. My book is called Untame Yourself. And I call my retreat weekends Untame Yourself Weekends. And so she was sharing how she had decided to do something differently in a way that was really honoring to herself and maybe not so much to some people. But at this point, she was no longer as attached to disappointing others. She was choosing herself. And then her hashtag, she wrote, no shame in the untamed. Oh, and love I was that. Like, that is it. It's all about being shameless because it's all about coming home to yourself and being yourself. And all of it is built around the concept that everything you've ever needed has always been inside of you. So that we're reconditioning, we're deconditioning and deprogramming the way that has built the belief system that's maybe caused you the shame so that you can be reconditioned to be to a place where be like, there's something, these are my choices. This is who I am. I have nothing to be ashamed of. And I can move forward in my life, like being much, much truer to myself and much more in alignment with like what's in my heart and what's in my soul or, you know, however it is that you relate to that. So it's all like shameless is really about ditching the shame, like letting it go, getting rid of it, forgiving yourself, forgiving others, healing from traumas and hurts and experiences and failures and whatever, all the things it's integral. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Elizabeth. And I want you to tell us where we can find you. You've mentioned your website a few times, untameyourself.com. Is everything there or are there other places we can find you? Everything's there. My podcast is called Untame the Wild Soul. So wherever it is that you listen to this podcast, if you search for Untame the Wild Soul or even just type in my last name, Dialto, D-I-A-L-T-O, you'll be able to find me because I'm the only Dialto on iTunes or in the podcasting world. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, all the stuff is there. And then, you know, for people looking for spaces to have these kinds of conversations, we have a Facebook group too, which you can find on the podcast or on the website. It's all the stuff. And Elizabeth's podcast is awesome. I love, I was actually telling her right before we got on the recording today that I love listening to her interviews. And I feel like I'm just like listening to this really fun, casual conversation between friends. And I feel like I'm like the third friend. (laughs) You're like talking to us. You're like in your car going, yeah, me too. (laughs) I'm like talking to you, but I'm on mute. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. I get messages from people sometimes that are like, you're my best friend and you don't know it, but it's not creepy. It's not like a stalker, like weird thing. It's just straight up like, I get it. I'm like, I'm hanging out with you when you're curling your hair in the morning in your bra. So makes sense. I get those messages too. And it's like an honor to be received that way where you're like, oh my gosh, I have like all these best friends. This is so cool. I don't even know. I have all these best 
besties. (laughs) Which makes you feel like Gabby's Bernstein's book, uh, The Universe Has Your Back. Like that's what it feels like after you've done a few podcasts. You're like, all these people have my back. Like we're tight. It's, It's a really great feeling. Yeah, it is. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for spending time with us today and come back anytime you want to talk more about untaming our wild souls because we could use more of that. So thank you so much, Elizabeth. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for spending time in the Shameless Mom Academy today. If you need any links mentioned today or any links to books mentioned today, definitely hop over to shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 88 and we will have everything mentioned in the podcast. We will have all those links over there for you. If this is your first time listening, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday and you can subscribe to our podcast by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you right into iTunes where you can hit the subscribe button. While you're there, you can also leave a review. So click on the little review button. Let me know what you thought of this show. You can specifically reference the Elizabeth D'Alto episode or episode 88. I would love to hear your feedback. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. And in between episodes, between Monday and Wednesday or between Wednesday and Monday, you can find all past episodes over at shamelessmom.com. You can also find a little more information about me and about the show over there, about what we're up to or what I'm up to. You can also follow me on social media over at Instagram and Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy. So you'll find you know lots of great insights as to life as a cranky mom and life as a feminist and life as a wine drinker and let's see what else life is a generally positive person who sometimes just needs to vent and and also other tips on just how to live a better life and daily inspiration and things that will also make you probably laugh and maybe pee your pants a little so find us on social media at the shameless mom academy hop over to our website for more information at shamelessmom.com and thank you so much for listening remember no matter what you do today make sure you do it shamelessly It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking